Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we focus on metals, mining, and more. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Today, we will discuss the value proposition for the next Capital Vortex and how you, the subscriber, may benefit. Joining us for a conversation is Kevin McManus. He is the founder of Van Orm Financial Technologies. Mr. McManus, welcome to the show, sir. Yeah, great to be here, Maurice. Thanks for having me. Mr. McManus, for first-time listeners, Please tell us about Van Orm Financial Technologies. Yeah, so uh, I have a background. I specialize in um, programming, you know, specifically in Python. Um, and I, I took a keen interest in machine learning and artificial intelligence. And I've always had an interest in the markets. Um, so I decided to com combine the two. So um, I built out the machine learning technology that initially and right now is for analyzing and forecasting the gold market. Um, and we spin off analytics from that, and I use them for trading purposes and investing purposes. And I also sell access to those uh, machine learning analytics to my subscribers and members. And is the subscription, is it a fee-based or is it free? It's fee-based. It's fee-based. Can you give us the fee-based, please? Uh, yeah, so it's uh, $29.99 per month. And I also offer a quarterly and semi-annual membership as well that are uh, offered at slight discounts to the in, uh, initial monthly rate. Um, there's a free trial uh, for the monthly subscribers and, and um, they can log on, try it out for a month, look at the analytics. Uh, you know, if they decide that it's not going to help their trading or investing, um, then they can cancel at any time. All right. Kevin, let's lay the foundation for today's discussion. Please share with us the distinction between blockchain and cryptocurrency, because I often hear these terms being used interchangeably. Yeah, so uh, blockchain, uh, what, what's a good analogy here? Blockchain is the cryptocurrency, um, like the banking system is to money. I mean, that's, that's probably a loose, uh, not an airtight analogy, but it's, Blockchain is, is the system through which validations and transactions can become uh, verified. And the actual crypto tokens themselves are the just a, a use case of the platform that people can exchange. And the actual exchange of those crypto tokens and uh, currencies is what's being validated by the big machine that we've built, which is blockchain. Now, recently you wrote an article entitled Gold and Blockchain, which we have posted on our website. In that article, you're quoted as saying the internet revolutionized information flow. The blockchain will revolutionize information validation. This, ladies and gentlemen, will be the theme for our discussion today. Give us a brief narrative on this article. Yeah, so the, the article is basically about, you know, every so often in history we have I mean, what I would call a capital vortex, you know, instead of using the term bubble where you get you get this whirlpool, you know, surrounding something, you know, that whether it captures the imagination of people and it and it sucks in capital and time and energy from everywhere. And, you know, you get these, uh, you know, explosive bubbles, you get all the attention and every time we have one of these capital vortexes, there's always something useful left behind in its wake. And it's, uh, you know, if, if you're lucky enough and, and you're clairvoyant enough to actually capitalize on the, on the capital vortex before it occurs, you know, then you become a very wealthy person. But for most of us who 
who miss it, you know, and have that fear of missing out. Uh, it's always what comes afterwards, you know, the infrastructure left in the wake where there's the secondary opportunities that are also very, very, uh, can be sizable and tremendous. And, um, that's basically what I was trying to focus on in my article. Sounds like you're making the distinction between vision and having sight between the two. You mentioned a capital vortex. Give us an example of the last capital vortex that we experienced. Well, you know, there's, there's been a bunch and it's, you know, we had, you know, somewhat of a bubble in 2008 and, you know, again, it, it, not much good came from the bubble in 2008, but there's lots of actual physical infrastructure built, you know, there was houses and suburbs and, um, you know, you had this enormous offshoot of an upcropping of, of buildings, both residential and commercial real estate that were uh, a, a combination of, you know, extremely cheap credit and the, the perception that uh, buying real estate was you know, a quick way to make money, which at the time that it was, you know, in the aftermath of that crash, there's, uh, a whole bunch of houses left over and you know, a whole bunch of infra infrastructure left over. And if you actually look what happened there, you know, in the bowels of 2008, you had a whole bunch of smart hedge funds and private equity companies coming in and buying up all that infrastructure that was left over. And, you know, that, I'm not sure what happened to those investments, but I'm sure they've done very well with it. You know, before that, you had the dot-com bubble, which is, uh, I mean, probably the closest precedent you can have right now to the blockchain bubble. And it's, Again, you had all these companies. There was, you know, tremendous amounts of fraud. You had people spending investors' money like crazy. Very little oversight or due diligence being done before uh, people were deploying their capital. Um, but that created the whole concept of e-commerce. There was tremendous amounts of hardware infrastructure built. There was knowledge that went into the space. You had computer programmers. Uh, yeah, a whole generation of people that were educated on the technology. You know, and then even there's there's smaller ones. I mean, you can, for example, in Canada, you have the oil sands at Fort McMurray. Um, you should just be, you know, a, a trading post. But you know, you get an oil rush, you get a whole bunch of money flowing in. You know, and now it's a, it's a full fledged city. You know, in, in San Francisco in 1848, you know, the gold rush, which was you know a, another mini capital vortex in the United States. Uh, the gold rush basically put San Francisco on the map. Uh, you know, between 1848 and 1849, a one-year span, the population of San Francisco actually grew from 1,000 people to 25,000 people. So that a 25-fold increase in its population, you know, in just a year. And it's uh, that that bubble obviously crashed, and you know, a lot of people lost their jobs after that. But you know, now you have a fantastic city in, in its wake. So it, you know, sometimes what's left behind isn't obvious but whenever there's a whole bunch of money and attention and expertise that flows into a certain sector there's always something left behind when the excitement wears off and uh, more often than not what's left behind is usually really really useful to either a keen entrepreneur or an investor or a businessman that maybe wants to take advantage of it which leads into my next question Kevin, do you see some unique value propositions as the capital vortex for cryptocurrency is on the horizon? Oh, of, of course. And, you know, there's people in this industry that know far more about it than I do and, and uh, probably far more clairvoyant on it. I mean, I, I try to keep up to speed in technology 
my specialty is machine learning and AI, but uh, you know the, the developments that are happening in blockchain can't be ignored really by anybody. I mean, you almost have to keep track of what's happening. Um, you know, I was at the um, I was at a blockchain conference in Vancouver this week, and uh, just listening to some companies speak, and you know, I, I, again on the uh, the whole concept of the of the capital vortex. You know, during Canada is is an extremely resource rich country, and you know, throughout the years and the decades in the boom and bust in commodities. We've had this tremendous uh, electrical and road infrastructure built, which has um, facilitated basically a mining and resource economy. And, you know, with the recent downturn, you know, in resources, there's this infrastructure there that's being underutilized, ex ex extremely valuable infrastructure. And one of the messages that we were hearing at the blockchain conferences was that Canada is an extremely plat uh, attractive place for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency blockchain mining, uh, specifically because it was, it was an attractive place for actual mining. So, you know, these blockchain miners, they need tremendous amounts of power. They need cool environments. They need infrastructure, just like regular miners. And what are they doing? I mean, they're, they're smart people. They're looking at infrastructure that was left behind from past booms, past capital vortexes, if you want to call them that. And they're putting them towards an effective use now, which is which is cryptocurrency mining. So it's it's this repetitive theme and cycle you see and it's it really is can boil down to the essence of investing as it's like you know, what's gonna be left behind when people leave the casino and how can it be put towards its most productive economic use after the fact. So that's that's kind of what entrepreneurs and investors are always asking themselves. And that's really the golden question. And, and that question is no different for blockchain. And speaking of golden question, how does gold factor into this discussion? Well, it, it factors in because blockchain, blockchain is going to facilitate uh, trusted transactions. So everywhere in the world you have, there's things of value that are always exchanging hands and trust is always a commodity that's an issue. And, you know, you have, you know, people listening to your show, everybody's heard of counterparty risk, you know, like, am I going to get paid by the person I'm transacting with? If you don't know them. I mean, there's entire industries built around it. And gold in particular is one of those things where, uh, you know, it's, it, it can be cumbersome to transact in, you know, the, the original, currency itself in our society was was a piece of paper which was a receipt for gold specifically because people didn't want to carry it around everywhere they, they, they could deposit it in a central location where it was safe and secure someone that specialized in the handling and and the storage of gold you know the original custodians and they just carried around the deposit receipts in their hands and they could exchange them for people and those deposit receipts for were good for gold and so Gold, what, the things that made gold money originally are still intact. And the issues with transacting in gold are still intact. You know, paper and credit receipts were one solution for those. But the blockchain is something that is good, I think, is, can, has the potential to completely eliminate every single fear 
and logistical challenge surrounding the transaction and movement of gold. So you can, uh, yeah, so I mean, you, you'll be able to track it better, um, track ownership, transactions, um, the physical type. Um, I was actually reading the other day about a company who was um, developing a, um, a carbon mesh that um, could be inserted into gold bars that would make it harder for it to melt down so that um, you could uh, use it in a transactional network like blockchain um, and give it a little bit more resistance to tampering, which, which I thought was an interesting, which is an interesting use. Um, I can't recall the name of the the, uh, the company offhand that was making it, but, um, but blockchain is going to. But let me interject here. You know, you and I were having a discussion uh, offline prior to the interview, and you referenced to your friend. Uh, I think he indicated that he thought that gold was dead, and then you made the statement. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you stated something to the effect that. Why is it the one percent are trying to accumulate as much as they can and put it somewhere safe and secure? Yeah, well, you know, we we read in the news the other day about um, you know Russia accumulating. I can't remember what the uh, tonnages were, but it was a tremendous amount of gold that they added to their reserves, and they continue to add more. Um, so, like, it's it's a valuable commodity. It's it's the most valuable commodity in the world. Um, you know, it has extremely unique properties. Um, that have made it valuable. It's one of those things. If it was cheaper, we would use it in way more applications. I mean, it, um, in the electronics industry and alone. I mean, I, you know, my background is in electrical engineering. Gold is one of the only elements that we know of that what's called thermodynamically stable. So it doesn't, in its natural state, when we find it, it doesn't decay, it doesn't rust, it doesn't oxidize. Um, roof on a hotel that. You know, you used to have a bright, shiny copper roof, and then it turns green. And mm-hmm. that doesn't happen to gold. And, and that alone, that physical property that it has an element, the fact that it's thermodynamically stable, is, makes it extremely valuable. And uh, that use case alone would, would have it used in many, many, many more applications were it not so rare and just unbelievably expensive. Now, you alluded to monetary history briefly in our discussion here, but how does an understanding of monetary history and technology play into your thesis here? Um, well, I think it plays into the thesis because, you know, like we were saying before, we have we have a new generation of, of people, millennials. I mean, I'm a part of that generation. And I, I think people implicitly understand or have a sense that there's some issues with with the financial system and the monetary system and having so much centralized control over um, the issuance of currency money. I, I think people are naturally curious about it. You know, if you, if you hand a, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but if you take paper money and you take a coin, you know, and you offer it to, you know, like a, a one-year-old child, you know, more often than not, the child is going to take the coin. They're going to take the piece of metal. They're going to take something that's, you know, intrinsically, I think people have a sense of things that are that are valuable. And I, I think it's percolating in the, in the interest in the minds of an entire generation of people right now. And you're seeing that really manifest itself in this whole cryptocurrency boom. A lot of the people buying cryptocurrencies, a lot of the use cases I'm hearing when I talk to people about it, you know, is, is people trying to sidestep the financial system. So 
although people may not be able to put their their thumb on it but i think a lot of people have whether it's a distrust or a sense that something is wrong with it and the solution isn't cryptocurrencies per se the solution is going back to a system uh, that puts a bit of a leash on the issuance of money and that's always been the gold standard i mean we we've there is a reason why gold was selected as universal money to begin with and those reasons haven't changed um you know like i say in my article that gold never changes only the world changes around gold and you know that's very true and i i i can see it right now as as the progression of cryptocurrencies is moving along and people are solving problems um it's moving towards a commodity-backed cryptocurrency system which i think is um which is ultimately going to prevail when everything is said and done here because there's if you ask people about cryptocurrencies, there's so many and uh, people are starting to understand a little bit the contradiction about what what makes these things actually valuable. You know, it's not the fact that they're you know, restricted in quantity by the algorithm. You know, there, there's a larger supply issue where the instantiation of these algorithms isn't bound by anything. I mean, you can create cryptocurrencies for anything that you want. You, you've seen that with the explosion of ICOs people creating tokens and cryptocurrencies for literally any use case now but in order for anything to have persisting value through time it's got to be backed by something real and, and the ultimate real thing in the physical world that we live in is gold and uh, i think the ultimate end game you know it may it may not happen this year it may not happen next year but five to ten years down to the road i think you're going to see a shift you know the entire gold trade internationally is, is likely going to shift to the blockchain and if that catches fire in places like asia and russia and india you know where people transact predominantly through their cell phones and there's economies there you know you're talking a couple billion people who have a total infatuation with gold and I, and and intrinsically understand the value of it and they're technologically oriented. Imagine what's going to happen when those two things get married and a lot of the problems in transacting and gold to get solved by the blockchain. It's going to I think it's going to completely catch fire in those places first and then probably work its way over to the west after that. Yeah, I, you you said a couple of things here I'd like to interject on and, you, and you're very accurate I'm I'm uh, in, in what you're stating, in my opinion here. And so let's backtrack. You're talking about a child. So my child, my uh, Braden, one of my, my oldest twin, I should say, he lost his tooth yesterday. So this morning, he was looking for a silver eagle. He was not looking for a Federal Reserve note. <laughs> that's a true statement this morning. That's exactly what happened. The second thing you stated was this that caught my attention as well. I think there's something naturally within all of us that just resonates with gold. And so when I look at Bitcoin, when I see it advertised, I always notice they use a gold, a coin that looks like it's gold. I, I wonder why they selected that color. Of all colors in the, that there are, <laughs> they tend to pick that because it plays on the human psyche, in my opinion. Um, and I notice that as well with other cryptocurrencies. They either make it look gold or silver. And the same with fiat currencies that you're in Canada, the Canadian government uses and that we use as, as well. They make it look like it's gold and silver still, but... Those metals are not in there. They use base metals that have the illusion, the illusion of precious metals. Um, and the last thing I stated there as well is I do see that in, that cryptocurrencies 
or, or blockchain technology will be used by federal governments. And I do believe down the road, it will be backed by precious metals. So I think you're spot on, on, on all of your observations there. Now, here's a final question I have for you here. What actions should someone take to benefit from the value propositions that you've just outlined for us? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to say. It's, blockchain is one of those, uh, I, I would classify it as a, as a, as a, a lubricating technology, where right? I think it's going to make the economy, the modern economy, run more efficiently as a whole. You know, there's there's people that are trying to invest in in cryptocurrencies and and blockchain startups, which is fine. Um, well, and let me pause you there for a second. Are there any publicly traded blockchain companies out there for our listeners that may not be aware? Yeah, well, there's there's lots. You know, and I, I don't know if we have time to go into the um, go into the the use cases for them or not. But there's, <clears throat> I I personally think you know if, if people are looking to get in. To the blockchain space, um, I, I would focus on on the companies that are trying to build upon the infrastructure in a forward-looking way. So it's um, and and there's lots out there. Um, again, I, I, I don't want, I don't want to recommend any names, but it's it, it's always useful to kind of look forward a bit with how the infrastructure and the the technology might get used outside of cryptocurrency, you know, to either disrupt industries or make industries way more efficient than they currently are. And there's, you know, we're going to keep discovering those use cases as the technology unfolds, just like we keep discovering new things, new uses of the internet and technology and wireless communication. Um, so I'm not going to pretend like I, I understand what the end game of blockchain is going to be, but I know that... <clears throat> I know that cryptocurrencies are kind of, if, if you're just focusing on cryptocurrencies, there's a much bigger, bigger picture and opportunity out there uh, in the actual use cases of blockchain itself that I think people should shift their paradigms towards. Well, let me rephrase the question then, because we're not here to give financial advice, but it, you personally, are you more focused on accumulating gold and, and or gold miners or blockchain or, or an even distribution? Do they both have your interests at this time? as the best value propositions at this moment? Yeah, well, I mean, as an investor, I mean, I'm always trying to figure out, you know, how technology of the time, what's being ignored right now, and is what's being ignored going to benefit from both the macroeconomic trends, the technological trends that are unfolding, you know, and it's, it's unorthodox and, you know, I, I am a big believer in gold. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a gold bug. Um, although people that have talked to me in the past, you know, might say so. But I believe in the future prospects for gold because I think it's, I, I think it's in, like we were saying before, we're in this microcosm of history where people don't really appreciate it like they should appreciate it. And I think its role in the international finance system is going to be reasserted. And so... You know, as for a play on blockchain, you know, I, I look for things that are really, really dramatically going to benefit from the blockchain. And to me, one of those things is gold. And so how does that manifest itself? You know, if, well, I mean, if, if gold starts getting used more because of blockchain, you know, if it solves some trust issues, 
then it's going to increase transactional volumes. And generally, when tra- transactional volumes increase, the price increases. You know, it, it kind of puts a floor beneath the price. You know, and when trust issues get solved, then, you know, trust issues being solved tends to attract more institutional money, which isn't currently currently in the gold mining space. So it's 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 a completely unorthodox play on blockchain. Uh, but in my opinion, the gold industry as a whole, including the miners, could be one of the biggest beneficiaries of the of the technology. I couldn't agree with you anymore. Mr. McManus, last question for you. What did I forget to ask? Uh, I I always hear you ask people this, and it's always a good question. (laughs) Malice on you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I don't think you forgot to ask me anything. Um, Yeah, I know there's some good questions you asked there, Maurice. Well, thank you, sir. Now, how about this? If listeners want to get more information about the Van Orm Financial Technologies Report, please share the contact details. Yeah, so they, they can go to www.vanorum.ca. That's B-A-N-A-U-R-U-M. Orum is like, uh, you know, the Latin word for gold. And, um, you know, if they're interested in a free trial, they can click on the Become a mem- Member button and go through the process. They can subscribe to my mailing list as well and get uh, some free articles. They can reach out to me directly through the contact link on the site. Um, again, I mean, I, I, I use technology, machine learning, as well as conventional methods to uh, try to put together superior trading strategies. So it's, um, I try to take an unbiased, uh, pragmatic view to things and, and just try to move where things are really oversold and kind of get out of the way of things that are incredibly overbought. And I use, you know, an unemotional machine to try to help me in that pursuit because I know that as an emotional person, I I can tend to work against me sometimes. And I think, uh, you know, the feedback I've been getting from my members so far has been tremendous. And I think a lot of other people would find value in the service as well. Well, you have the endorsement of Bob Moriarty, the founder of 321 Gold. So that says a lot in and of itself, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sure uh, does. And we also want to thank Bob for making us aware of your work as well. Uh, you know, without Bob, uh, uh, he, he's a big part of Proven Improbable, so you and I have a mutual respect for him as well. And we'd also like to take this opportunity to remind our listeners, if you are interested in purchasing precious metals, please visit our website. And on the header, you will notice the following tabs. Buying precious metals, safe deposit box video, offshore storage, and precious metals IRA. Or you may email me at maurice at milesfranklin.com. Last but not least, please visit our website, www.provenandprobable.com, where we interview the most respected names in the natural resource space. You may reach us at contact at provenandprobable.com. Kevin McManus of Van Orm Financial Technologies, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable 
is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.